Welcome to the Tab Storytellers Podcast, Episode Three. This yeah, is uh, hello. Yahoo! Uh, <laughs> I'm Abby Cato Bay, um, and I am co-host with uh, Jen Ferrari. But we are here talking about Tab, which, for people who don't know, is an art education, belief, and pedagogy about um, teaching for artistic behavior. And we teach by the principles that we believe that the child is the artist, the classroom is a studio, and we explore what artists do. So that's what we're here for. Yes, and hello everyone. Um, as Abby mentioned, my name is Jen Ferrari. And uh, just to tell you a little bit about the podcast, Tab Storytellers is a um, published once a month and it's where we share our Tab pedagogy and practice stories um, with you. And these stories come from Tab educators, they can come from administrators, community members, researchers, and many, many more. So, um, for additional information after you listen to this um, tabcast, you're welcome to visit www.teachingforartisticbehavior.org to find out more. Uh, and now I'm going to hand it back over to Abby, and she's going to be introducing our guest today. Uh, we are so excited to have Cynthia Gaub. Uh, she is a personal friend of mine, um, but also an amazing tab teacher. Um, I think sometimes we think or TAB was one of those things that has a really big population at elementary and uh, secondary TAB sometimes get less, gets left behind a little bit. And Cynthia has been one of my mentors as I have moved to middle school um, teaching TAB and has been doing it in an amazing way for a long time. And so um, welcome, Cynthia. We're so glad to have you on our pod TAB cast. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Abby and Jen. It's great to be here. So excited to share my tab story with you. Yeah. So why don't you tell us um, how did you find tab? Like, what is your tab story? So um, thank you for asking. So um, I was I started teaching, and the only job I could get was like part time teaching English and drama in middle school. Surprisingly enough, I did not want to be a middle school teacher. You'll you'd be surprised to know that. And I thought, because I think my middle school experience was pretty tragic, um, I did not want to relive that as a teacher. Um, but I quickly found out that middle schoolers actually were my people. And um, so then I kept striving for that art job, which was pretty difficult to find. Luckily, um, in 2004, I managed to get hired at the middle school down the block from my house. Um, and as soon as I started getting my students in, I was like, oh, all of my original way I thought I was going to teach the class was not going to work. Um, I had mixed grades. So I had sixth, seventh and eighth graders in the same unified arts class. I had special ed English language learners who knew no English and gifted kids in the same group. I had kids that had been in art camps and art class and art tutored and other art experiences outside of school and other kids who literally had nothing because we had no elementary program at the time. Um, so I looked at all these kids and I started my, I remember starting my first project. I was gonna do these watercolor, like 18 by 22, where you trace your face and then you do black glue. And then after the black glue dries and you do watercolor and it was gonna just be so cool and epic. And then I was like, 
oh, my room was so small and I had literally no drying rack. And I was like, where am I gonna put all these giant paintings? Like, this is not gonna work. So those kind of things combined quickly led me to go search on the internet for help. Um, and at the time, uh, Tab existed in the Yahoo groups. Yes, and I had also kind of connected with somebody on the um, Incredible Art Department website. Um, and there was a woman there who's long, long retired. I think she was retired when she was managing that website who mentored me and, and turned me onto the tab idea. I wish I could remember her name. Um, and so I got onto the tab Yahoo groups and started kind of explaining my plight. Um, also we're a very, very low socioeconomical school with 70 plus percent um, free reduced lunch and very high transient population. So kids popping in and out of the class um, pretty regularly through the trimester. And um, so I discovered TAB um, and decided to like give it a go um, and have been reinventing the way I do it pretty much every year. Welcome to TAB, I guess, right? Yeah, Tab. wow. <laughs> um, so I know that there's a lot of people who are familiar with um, the concept or the construct that sometimes is referred to boot camps um, that you uh, are around the room. Um, and that's that originally is your construction. Um, do you want to talk to us about like how you discovered that and what its purpose was and how that what that could look like or like not that there's shoulds and tab but like what your intention was with that yeah so um as I started to try and do things in a more tabby way um I had a lot of materials out I set up centers you know and and I was doing these themed assignments and um what I kind of started discovering is I had very kids just chose the same art material all the time. Like, so markers or colored pencils, like that was it. That was what they would choose. And I was like, I, you know, I've got chalk pastels, I've got oil pastels, I've got watercolor pencils, I've got so many cool things, but like, I don't have time to like teach all of these things individually. Like, what could I possibly do? And um, I hearkened back to my, English teaching days where we did writer's workshop and writer's workshop is set up in centers. And so you have like whatever, an editing center and a research center and you know, all, you know, writing oriented, but centers. And the idea is you have center time and the kids all just kind of break off to whatever part of the writing process they're in the middle of. Um, and so I thought, well, that, that should work in this scenario. Um, and it turned out I was at the very end of a school year and I hadn't actually done printmaking yet. And I also had a lot of cool printmaking stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do printmaking centers. <laughs> so I set up each of my tables. Um, I had six giant tables in my classroom um, that sat about eight kids at each table. Um, and so I set up each of those tables as a different printmaking center. So we had like monoprinting, styrofoam uh, printmaking, 
objects, rubber stamps, uh, collagraph. Um, there was obviously something else not coming to my mind though. Um, and we just spent a week and they, I had the kids rotate around to each of those tables. And at each of those tables, I had a direction card um, and all the supplies. And um, I'd done a slideshow presentation with some videos before we started going around the tables. And um, it worked out really well. It was, of course, a mess. It's printmaking and you got six different types of printmaking going on at the same time. Um, so it was pretty uh, crazy uh, with all of the things going on. It's definitely controlled chaos. I've always felt that, you know, a well operating tab classroom is really controlled chaos. Um, but I liked it. I like the kids seem to get a lot out of it because they got to very quickly explore a bunch of different things. And so that next fall, I was like, I'm doing I'm doing this with drawing. Okay, we're going to do something like this with drawing materials. And that way I'll get the kids to explore these drawing materials that they've never used before and help them get that experience that maybe then come a themed assignment, they might want to use that material having experienced it. That same year, I think we also were on like a mandatory school-wide improvement plan of vocabulary in all the content areas and we had to have a word wall and stuff like that. So I also made it a vocabulary activity where they were uh, learning cross-hatching, writing down the definition of cross-hatching and then using cross-hatching with graphite pencils. So um, I you know, did my school improvement plan, vocabulary integration into my content area and started my now popular and well-known around the room games. They are wow. phenomenal. Yeah, you know, as you were speaking, like so much of it, it made so much sense to me because when I think about tab, like there's just a natural um, ability for the students and the teacher in there to like meet all the needs of everyone in the room, like the differentiation that you need um, for all those students that you were mentioning, all of their differences. And I love one of the things I love about the around the room is the experimentation that kids get to do. And yeah. I feel that for many times when there's like something new, I mean, even as like adults, we can be very hesitant to try, but when you're given just a little like dip your toe in the water kind of thing, just to try it, sometimes that's just the spark that you need to like really get them to like in investigate it more on their own independently. And then I also really enjoyed when you were talking about the controlled chaos, because I know a lot of people like myself, I am very like order oriented. I like organization and having things in order. And it's difficult for me at times to let go in my yeah. room. Um, and I know it's like that for other tab educators too, but I think there's such a difference between chaos and engagement and like thinking about how real true engagement is going to look chaotic because everyone is involved in what is intrinsically motivating for them um, and authentically driving them. So I think just that mindset switch of like thinking about it instead of as just chaos, it's like these kids are so involved. Right, right. And sometimes if like an administrator was to walk in, if you were to explain what was happening, I think that that's an important thing to notice. So when you're explaining that, you're like, look at all these kids. These kids are so engaged. 
they're experimenting in this media, they're trying out something new with a technique. Like, I think that's so important. Um, and I love that you brought that up. So I just wanted to say, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> well, and, but it's also important to know, I am an organized person. I'm like spreadsheet queen, like make forms, I make slides, <laughs> like I am an organized person. Um, and so all my centers tend to be pretty organized. And in the beginning, I would just constantly be frustrated with how messy and disheveled the centers would get. And um, I was finally able to let go of that um, because the kids were still accessing the materials and making art, right? And uh, so it didn't meet my, you know, perfect, you know, perfectionist level of organization, but it didn't matter because they were still accessing what they needed to access and making art with it. Um, but the important thing I really want, especially people new to TAB um, to hear from me right now about the controlled chaos is so much intentional organizational work has to go in to the studio, to the plan, to the mini demos, all of that. You can't just put out some supplies and say, mm -hmm. go for it. You know, mm -hmm. it's and that's the thing that you have to really make your administrators understand as well is that when they walk into a room there's so much that went on behind the scenes mm -hmm. before they walked into the room that is what allows it to work smoothly and if it's not working smoothly you need to step back and look at that behind the scenes work that you did and maybe reevaluate um, what have you missed in your behind the scenes work? What have you missed in your mm -hmm. scaffolding? Like yeah. maybe they weren't ready for the thing that you offered them. What did you miss um, in your instructions or your demo or your uh, hook or whatever they call those lesson mm -hmm. things at the beginning of a hook or whatever. Um, so that's what I really want. I feel like that's a huge misconception about TAB is that, you know, you just throw some supplies out and let the kids at it. And that's not at all what it it's is. It's not a material free-for-all? No. no. <laughs> I found you know, that's really interesting when um, I had like a sub this last year and I came back and it was like, what the heck happened, you guys? And so we just had a really intentional conversation. I was like, all right, this is a time to stop and reevaluate our studio together as a group because this is all this is your studio like the chaos up front on the desk that's my studio the rest <laughs> is your studio um and i had some kids really engaged with thoughtful design suggestions we ended up rearranging the table furniture and configuration and ended up getting an entire extra table to fit in the room hmm. um, so it gave kids more workspace it is not a configuration i would choose um but they liked it um they reorganized the way that we access paintbrushes um in a completely different format we like we changed from having them upright in cans to laying down in drawers mm -hmm. kids really took ownership of the space when i said this isn't working what can we do to make it work better and i think that's the beauty um at, definitely at middle school um yeah but i i know that um we have some tab teachers ronnie roar in new mexico talks a lot about her role in the classroom is really looking at the environment and seeing what can be mm -hmm. negotiated with students for better flow. So I think that's huge. 
Um, That's a question I was going to ask you, um, Cynthia, was you had mentioned about how if something's not working, you know, thinking about the scaffolding in like their the preparation going into it. How often do you think you stop and reflect um, and think about or actually even poll your students to see and meet their needs like in the studio? Because as, as Abby was saying, it's really their studio that they're working in. And I even do that with my elementary students. Um, I'm constantly surveying and asking them if like, is this working? And there was one time where I had set up a hot glue gun station and it was totally, I didn't notice at the time, but not going to work where it was. And my kids immediately started telling me this is, we're all getting jammed up. So we fixed it the next day, but for you, like that's really important to me. I'm assuming you would do something very similar. So, do you find that you're you're interacting with the kids and um, getting your feedback? Well, and I've gone through a couple different spaces over the years, so um, that always does come into play when you switch spaces as well. Um, I know that, like in the beginning, I often would actually close studios, uh, close a center. Sculpture center was the one that got closed the most often. Um, and it would be like, okay, it's closed until somebody gets it cleaned up. If mm -hmm. you want to use your studio time to go clean and organize, here's the things I've noticed that need uh, to be fixed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so then I would have kids collage and sculpture seem to get closed the most. Um, and then paint would frequently always be on the edge of getting closed. And it would be, you know, like paintbrushes, uh, messy and whatever, you know. So uh, it would be a time to like reassess what is going on in that center, like what's making it not work. Is it just like laziness on the part of the people using it or is something like not working or whatever. And like Collage Center, I've changed a number of times how it's been organized because of that. Um, I've gone from like Ziploc bags of colored paper to tubs to drawers. And like, I need to figure out a different way of doing tissue paper because that definitely is not working. Um, and, but you know, I, I could do better at asking the kids um, you know, what, what their ideas would be, um, to make things work better. Um, I did have to, our school got remodeled. So I was in a very, very, very small temporary room with no sink. Um, and so we had much more limited, um, options that year. Um, and then we got my beautiful new, literally bigger than my house art room, um, to set up and with the storage room to die for. And now I'm giving it all up to go transfer to the high school, which I'm very excited about. Um, and, uh, but I'm a little scared about my room situation because they, they're adding a third art teacher to the program. So they don't technically have a room for me. So um, we're not really exactly sure what my room will be exactly. and but I definitely know I'm giving up the best room in the district to go get who knows what. But, but yeah, I mean, you have to like reevaluate anytime something's not working. And is it because of your, your instruction? Is it because of how it's literally how it's stored? Like should something have lids or not have lids? 
You know, um, is it because of where it is in the room? Is it because you didn't give them enough information about that art material? I mean, those are the kind of questions that go through my mind when I am seeing a problem. And oftentimes I will ask my students like, hey, what is the deal over here? <laughs> what can we do, you know, to fix this? So you've mentioned transitioning through several classrooms um, in different situations. Um, how much does that change how tab happens for you? Or is there is there adjustment period? Like, so, I mean, because I know that sometimes there's a conception of like, what are you doing? How do you set up your classroom? And I was like, you don't have my classroom. I don't know how to help you. Like right. uh, that kind of conception of like uh, how unique every, like, the space changes what you do, I guess that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's the same actually when people ask me about the around the room um, games too, they're like, well, you know, what am I gonna have on um, in this draw around the room? It's like, what do you have? You know, it's based on what you have. You know, what are, what, and I always did six because that's literally the number of tables I had. And so when I set up my new um, big, huge, glorious art room, um, I actually got small, much, much smaller tables, but I ended up putting them together in six pods. So I kept that six. Plus I like to rainbow color them. So we have the red, yellow, you know, orange, I, I green, do, blue, yes. purple table, that's six. So, yes. you know, six <laughs> is my magic number with, with how I set my room up. So it'll be interesting what I do in my new room. But um, yeah, you can't, there's no one way to set up a tab room um, because every room is physically different. Um, your style is different than any other person's style. Your students are different. The materials your school has purchased for your art program is different. Um, so you just have to figure it out, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But I love, one of the things I love is that there's so many resources for me when I was getting into it, it was really important to see what others did so that I could pick and like, like an amalgamation of like all the things that would work for me. Like it was nice to see what others had done so that when I was taking and picking and choosing the little parts to put together what I thought was going to work for me, you know? Yeah. So there are a lot of resources, but I think people get caught up in like, well, this is the right way or, oh, this is the first way. So I should do it that way because that was the original way. So I think that tab is one of those things where there's a lot of like movement and change and like um, evolution that right. like we shouldn't get caught up in like, well, what should it look like? It should be more that like, what does, what does it need to look like for my situation? Well, right. and so. you know, you have to remember in the, the three, you know, sentence curriculum or whatever is mm -hmm. that the student is the artist and the classroom is the studio and what do artists do? And I just think even of my own personal studio here at home, like it has morphed over the years based on what art material I'm using the most or, you know, I keep changing this, the environment to meet the needs of the art that I am making at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. And so that's what artists do, right? 
They change their studio. I mean, Abby has like four different studios for all of her different things that she likes to do. I just have it all crammed into one. But, um, you know, that's, that's the thing that we have to remember that artists change their environment to meet the needs of the type of art they're making at any given time. And that's what you then need to do in your studio for your students. And I think it's really important. I mean, because there are situations are different and our rooms are different and the materials and our students. And we have this, the whole premise of what we do is that we are like each student gets to be who they are. And I think sometimes we forget that we also as teachers get to be who we are. Um, and so, and I, I'm saying this now because I know that Cynthia and I are very different people, um, <laughs> just by nature. Uh, I am very not organized. I, well, I have different styles of organization, but it's, I have no spreadsheets involved ever. <laughs> um, and so, and we've been friends for long enough and have worked together in a lot of different capacities to know that we approach problems almost from opposite ends sometimes. And so I think sometimes we get into tab and think that there's a right or wrong way or that we think about the student, but we also, I think, sometimes forget that we get to be ourselves in this and that we, we each bring a lot to how this looks in our rooms. I, I totally agree. And, but I would also say sometimes we also need to get out of our own way. Yeah. You know, because you can get set in the way of the way you think you need to do a thing. And that could be the what keeps you from getting the thing done well. Um, so I know that we, we had a list of things that we were going to mention, but I actually completely forgot this until we got going. Um, but you're one of the original co-presidents of the choice group for the uh, National Art Education Association. So one of the interest groups that got started more recently than others. I think there's been a yes. couple of since you guys, but the choice group, um, you've had some leadership in that. So do you want to, I mean, this is a great chance to kind of explore. It's not necessarily tab Inc, which is the tab teaching for artistic behaviors.org where they have a now a board um, and that this podcast falls under that side. Um, but it is a resource for people involved with the national art education association. So um, do you want to, talk, speak to that at all? Yeah, I mean, I am not currently um, in that role anymore, um, but yeah, I was a co-president for um, a couple of years and um, we put on a number of workshops at the conventions. Um, I helped organize particularly the one that was in Seattle. So when the conference came to Seattle, um, we had uh, three um, I think there were three hour workshops and each was geared to a different level. So we had an elementary, a middle and a high school level. And we set up a room um, like a studio with centers. And then we had different facilitators come in for each of the workshops and people just, you know, you pay the, you paid to go to those special workshops. Um, but it, then we were able to take that and build it into a little pre-conference, essentially, which was, again, basically an all-day thing where we set up a huge room as a studio. Um, and then we had another room that was kind of um, the talky place where presentations happened <laughs> and, um, and had uh, all day. So you could sign up for this all-day thing. And I think we were able to do two or three of those before COVID, you know, kind of squashed everything. Um, 
but so we are still doing some online things. There's actually one coming up on July 27th um, that is gonna be an online uh, workshop sponsored by the Choice Art um, Educators Group. And I'm pretty sure that info can be found in um, the Choice Art Educator Group Facebook group. Um, and I, it's free, it's an online thing. I'll be talking about more in depth about my around the room activities at that um, online conference. And I think the other two educators that are joining us, one is Clyde Gaw, who will be um, talking about, um, he, I think it's the, the art of healing or healing within the tab studio, how art is a healing um, um, process. And then also I will be there talking about uh, curriculum development, mostly for elementary, but it's also welcome to have any um, secondary people there as well. So I'm very much looking forward to that. It should be great. Yeah. yeah. And so that's for people who are um, not necessarily associated with the National Art Education Association, um, which it is a different, it has a different purpose than TAB Incorporated does. Um, but part of the reason that they decided to have a choice group in the first place was to be able to um, track choice and tab related workshops and presentations so that they could be stranded through the conference program and people could know that that's, those were the kind of presentations to go to. So if you decide to attend the National Art Education Association Conference, you can find choice and tab related content um, at that conference and then have access to additional professional development. But those are two different things now that originated out of the same place, but have gone some different directions to meet different needs. And so thank you for your leadership as that got off the ground too. So yeah, thank you. presenting, that's awesome. Yeah, and um, you can, um, basically the special interest groups are an add-on cost to your national association membership. I believe the tab group is only $5 extra a year. Um, and uh, you don't have to be a tab member, excuse me, a choice, you know, official member to come to our thing on in July, though, I don't think. Yeah, so I think it's, um, yeah, there's a lot to offer. There's a lot of resources. So in other resources, in case people like the Facebook groups are big places, and that's was Yahoo groups to start with, and then we transitioned yep. to Facebook. Um, and now it's Mighty Networks. So if you have not, um, listeners, if you have not already joined the Mighty Networks um, tab group, if you go to the teachingforartisticbehaviors.org website, um, and I think it's under the connect tab, <laughs> you'll begin, you find us, They've, they're gonna direct you to the Mighty Networks. And so um, it's, you requested to join um, and it that is a growing community where more and more people are posting. Um, and I think there's yeah. a, the goal to move towards that and off of more mainstream social media, just as a way for, there's a lot of people who have chosen to remove themselves from social media as a mental health decision and still make tab content available. And so all of those places are great ways to find information and use search functions in the, yeah. inside of them to find things. And I think pretty soon um, they're going to be also hosting workshops besides Actually, um, the Institute, the TAB Institute just finished their um, first session in the end of June uh, on Mighty Networks. So it was gone, it went through Mighty Networks as the, the, um, the platform. 
So in the future, if people are looking for those types of um, opportunities for professional development, then make sure you're on Mighty Networks because that will most likely be the mode of communication for those PDs. I think, I think the next Tab Institute actually starts next week. Uh, it does, it starts one. Monday. Yeah, I'm, and I'm I think, gonna go to that. I'm looking forward to it. I went to last so, summer's, it was exciting. And I think the other thing that's happening that you can find on Mighty Networks is, um, I just got back from Tabstock last week, but there are several, um, this summer, tab gatherings. I just saw a new one, like a tab beach day somewhere. And I was like, I'm not going to the beach. I'm so jealous. You guys also have like a barn <laughs> camp. And I think Southeast is pulling one together. So if you are around the country and you are wanting to meet in person post COVID, yay, um, mm -hmm. with people that are tab uh, affiliated, Mighty Networks is a place that also lo uh, will show you all the events that have been, are being hosted by tab folks around the country. And hopefully eventually internationally. You guys out there internationally should get on that. <laughs> so to get um, to Mighty Networks, if you're on the teachingforartisticbehavior.org website, there's a light blue button in the right corner. And all you need to says join our community. And all you do is click it and it should take you there and you'll be able to uh, sign up. Yay. Um, Cynthia, did you have any last thoughts that you wanted to share with us? We thank you so much for being our guest, but definitely want to hear anything else you have to say or? Um, not anything else off the top of my head. Well, we so appreciate hearing your story and um, thank you for, thank you for developing the around the rooms. Um, I know that they have made a difference in my kids being able to access materials in a way that they understand. Um, and I did, I took it and ran with it and changed it. And, um, and then my students changed it too. So as we got going, they did some different things to it. And so even as um, I've worked with students, it's morphed into my situation. And I appreciate you laying the foundation for what that could look like. So thank you for well, I, I had to morph it also for my own kids too, because then I would get kids in the next year or whatever that had done the around the room already. But then I had other kids in the same class that didn't take the class the year before and hadn't done the around the room. So like, what was I going to do about that? So that's when I invented my bingos. So I have a drawing bingo, a collage bingo, a paint bingo. So in that case, they just have like 25 different like small exploratory activities and um, they get to pick and choose which ones they want to do. So the kids that like, if I'm going to, I usually like do a count like, okay, in the seventh grade class, 15 of the kids had me sixth grade and did the around the room but the other 12 didn't. So I give the kids that did it the bingo and the kids that didn't do it the around the room and um, then they all go for it. Um, because of COVID with us being remote for so long, when we started this year, I just started everybody off back at ground zero because nobody had done anything like this at all for two years. You know, right. so um, and your so, district kept people out of the classroom physical space much longer than some other districts around the country did. You guys, especially Washington, but yeah, yeah, we were there. out. Um, we left in March 2020, and we went back in April 2021. So we were you were you whole. were the person that I was I used as the canary in the coal mine for my district. I'd be like, because you guys were about three weeks ahead of all of your precautions and the things that were happening uh -huh. so like, 
you guys started talking about closures three weeks before we heard anything about it. And I was like, oh. I was like the only person in my building prepared not to come back <laughs> because of you. So thank yeah. you for <laughs> I saw the writing on the wall too before the district called it. I was just like, we're not going to be here next week. And I, that last day, I was like filling Ziploc bags with stuff to hand the kids. Or like, here, what do you want? Take, take this. You know, I just, I knew we weren't coming back. It was supposed to be two weeks. I knew we weren't coming back in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's such a wild, wild ride that we've all now been on in our own way. So, yep, yep. Well, thank you. Moving guys for, on, though. Yeah, thank you for being here, and thanks to our listeners for making it through another episode, our third episode of uh, Tap Storytellers. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible. If you want Everywhere. a different platform, we don't have. If you have a different platform where you need us to be on, just let me know. Um, and if you would like to be a guest on Storytellers, uh, or if you have questions for us, uh, you can find us in the Mighty Networks, and you can also email us at uh, storytellers at teachingforartisticbehavior.org. Um, and if you'd like to know more about Around the Room and other things, I do have a fantastic blog um, that I have had for since the 2000s. Um, it's called Art Techtivity. So I made it when I was teaching art and technology and creativity. So I smashed those three words together. So it's R A R T. Uh, oh, now I can't even spell it myself. Art Techtivity. <laughs> A-R-T-E-C-H-T-I-V-I-T-Y dot com, I think. I'll put it in the show notes. So but you, I also yeah. tell you, if you Google around the room, Cynthia Galb, you're going to get it easily. Yeah, well, we so appreciate having you here. And I'll make sure that we get your uh, website in or your blog into our show notes for people to be able to access that too, because I found that incredibly helpful. I know there's lots of people that transition from elementary to middle and I'm, I'm hoping that you document your transition from middle to high school. Just oh, of course, of course. Are headed in that direction as well. So thank you for sharing all of those things with us. Well, thanks so, for having me. Yeah, Jen, do you have any other thoughts? No, I just wanted to thank you so much, Cynthia, for joining us. It was wonderful listening to your story and all the things that you've done. Um, very inspirational, not just for me, but for the, the listeners that we have. So thank you very, very much. All right. Yay. See you guys next month. Excellent. Bye, everyone. Hey, bye.